I think every taboo is just a taboo you have to get over. You know, yeah. and I think there's probably going to be some connections. Like, yeah, heads on things. Like, that's a, that's a cannibalism. You cannibalism. Just need, you know, the food truck with cannibalism stuff going on, and yeah, now, now it's acceptable. It's acceptable. It's yeah. delicious. It's just so all about. It's just called people tacos. Scotch. <laughs> 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 Hey everybody, welcome to episode 201 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast, Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm the web waggler. I'm Sam and my throat's burned out. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is April WW, 2019. Mm, my favorite WW of the year. Before we get started, we have a warning, there's going to be profanity in this show. So if you don't, if you don't want to do... Then you, you go on and get out of here. Scoot on, scoot on out scoot, of here. Scoot. Uh, we'd also like to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. We got some messages this week. Uh, Gabe says, Monkey Shoulder is a blended scotch whiskey that is only $28, but is definitely a good drink. And that way, if you really enjoy it, you won't feel bad buying another bottle. So mm. he wants us to use his coffee donation to get, to get <laughs> hammered. Excellent. So uh, whiskey donation. Yes. It is launch week still. So yeah. You know. yeah. Uh, so thank you for that. And Satellite says, guys, it might be a while before your game comes to iOS. Uh, hopefully not. But to tide you over in the meantime, here's $28 worth of cups of butterscotchy goodness. Love the games and love the podcast. Keep oh, up thanks. the strong work. Thank thanks. you very much. And we also have a bunch of recurring supporters. So thank you all uh, as well. All right. Let's talk about life before. All right. So first, first of all, Levelhead launched into early access on Thursday. On Steam, on Windows. On Steam, on Windows. Before we get into that, I have a really important thing. Super important. Let's hear it. What do you got? I was listening to the radio this morning. Okay. And I noticed noticed something that I hadn't really truly appreciated. And it's that on the radio, announcers, every few minutes, whenever they're leaving a segment, they tell you who they are. Right? Yep. They'd be like, Mm. I'm Steve, and this is blah, blah, blah. There's a guy named Funky Pants in St. Louis who's on the radio all the time. I'm Funky Pants, yep. and this you're is, listening to Fresh Air now <laughs> with Gary Burbles. I was thinking about how great this is because the announce it's a very humble thing to do, right? The announcer's like, you, 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 you don't know if me. If you just came in, like you don't you don't know me. You're not going to remember my name, right? Mm-hmm. And so the radio sort of culture, the radio industry, has taken upon themselves to be like, I'm just going to keep saying my name anytime. Anytime I'm ducking out of a situation, I'm just gonna like peek my head back in right at the end and be like, "This is who I am." It's kind of like at the end of a of a walkie talkie communication where you say over, but instead you say your name. Right. Mm. I was thinking, you know, it would be so great if this just was a thing that people did in normal conversation, just all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Agree. Be like, "Hey, I'm Seth Coster. I'm about to go grab us some more drinks from the bar. Does anybody need some?" Right. Yep. Just and then somebody else would be like, "Hey." I'm I'm Steve Humbledorf, uh-huh. uh, and yes, I would like one. Of I those. would like one. It reminds me of in, in social situations you meet someone for the first time. I'm always so concentrated on just like trying to listen to them that I, for some reason, I always just forget their name. Like I ask yeah. for it, yeah. <laughs> and then it's just gone. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. I can't. Hold and I think on it's because I'm so ready for whatever the next part is, and so I, well, I would especially appreciate to engage this. in conversation. Yeah, if, to like to get this sort of in the in the meeting of person yeah. circumstance. Well, I think also because because uh, when you first meet somebody, it's a there's there's a moment there where you're not quite sure what's coming, right? Yeah. Maybe there's going to be a hug. Maybe there's going to oh, yeah. be a handshake. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe it's very stressful. Time. Maybe it's but maybe it's going to be one of those wacky handshakes that have eight steps to it, and you don't know. Mm-hmm. So so you're kind of you're kind of prepping. You know, you're prepping yourself, and in all that, and also you're introducing yourself. You know, That's true. you're thinking you, you got to not fuck that up. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you're trying to like you're trying to take quick note of like who is this person, what's their deal, what like you're trying to 
taken all the info. And the one thing you always miss is their name. And then you don't want to say after one minute, like, I'm sorry, what's your name again? Mm -hmm. Because they literally just said it. And that's not a good look, you know, for you. Nope. So it would be great if, if either two things. One, we, we introduce this new mode of operating where anytime you're about to sort of like move away from a conversation, just like just a Pokemon, just say your name <laughs> again, right? The other would be- Should if, we do this in the podcast? Which we should. Because people can't tell us apart, apparently. Mm. I'm Seth Coster, and I'm about to say something else. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so the other option is, what if when you greet somebody, instead of a handshake- Instead of any of that stuff, we introduce a new way of greeting that happens first, which is you both walk up to each other. You just you, – you, no interaction at all except just look at each other. You say your name. They say their name. And you just do that a couple times. But here's the problem. Who says their name times? first? Yeah. Oh, no. Now we're stuck You're again. Stuck <laughs> yeah. Whoever is more southward, I think. This is why I still think okay. it's funny. So you have to bring like, your compass along with you. Yeah. yeah, or just be from the Midwest because you generally know where that's true. Where too. your cardinal directions are. This is why I do think it's funny whenever I see people at, at GC or whatever else who are tweeting out about how like how awkward social situations are, you know, for them. And I'm like, they're awkward for literally everyone. everybody. Meeting yeah. people is just it's weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just because it's just like it's just awkward. It's you just got to get past that super stressful initial. Just that first point. two minutes. Yep. That's it. That's it. And then that sometimes you're with someone, you're like, that was the most two minutes. That's like all I need from you yeah. ever in my life. Now I got a GTFO. You can get out of here. My name's Sam. Bye. I'm <laughs> Sam. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. So we got to make this a thing. Mm-hmm. I want people to weigh in on this. We need to figure out how to get this. How do you start a new cultural trend? How do you do it? What's the move? I don't know. Do we know? I don't know. I don't know. All right. Anyway, I had to get that off my chest. I'm glad I'm, you did. I'm Seth. I needed to say that. I'm all Adam right. and I agree with that statement. All right. Let's talk about level head. <laughs> We launched into early access on Thursday morning. Uh, so we had the Steam pop-up, or one of the Steam pop-ups, yeah. I guess. Uh, we launched it onto Steam, uh, early access for $20 on Windows only. So for starters, let's talk about bugs, crashes, putting out fires. How did that go in terms of smoothness? Yeah. So this was – it was great because uh, I think we just had one or two – or we had one data loss bug. Which is being resolved. It being resolved. Um, <laughs> we know where we know where it is. And, so we'll fix. And it's it. with the campaign, not with the levels that you're making, which yeah. I think is now notably better. Uh, if you're picking up Levelhead for the first time, just uh, don't force quit the game. Just save and exit it normally mm-hmm. until basically Wednesday when we get this bug fix, <laughs> yeah. and then, then you then you can do whatever you want. You can abuse it, however, whatever. It's yeah. Fine. So we just had that one, um, which wasn't even like actually that big of an issue. Uh, and then and then we had one or two crashes, I think. Right. Just one. Just one. Yeah. One um, crash. And this is over. Well, cumulative. and Windows 7 users can't get on the internet, apparently. Yeah. That subset was the big them. one, I that's, think. I think that's the most problematic one that I really hope we can get resolved. Unfortunately, we have no idea why this is happening. Yeah. And it's unfortunately, it's uh, not in our control. It's our engine. So yeah. We gotta, yeah. Or, or something weird about but we've got we've got feelers out. We've got yep. people on it. Yeah. But if any of you are one of the people affected and have figured it out, Please let us know what it was yeah. that was going on. <laughs> so it was it was very smooth, and I think a, a bunch of this has come down to again the DevOps strategy that we've developed, which is the game is tested, is just thoroughly tested before it even hit the open market, and so we've generated you know thousands of hours of playtime now uh, over this past couple of days, and had you know one crash and just a few people hit this data loss bug, which is incredible, and so the team was actually able to Thursday, of course, everyone's just kind of freaking out because the game's out, and so we had we'd already just set aside. We essentially did a like a simulation the day before. And we said, okay, so Thursday in particular, everyone should really just be focused on 
hanging out because the reality is no one's going to get anything done anyways. Yeah, so, hanging out, putting out fires. Those are your only two things. Yeah, and, and there just, were no fires just, to put out. Yeah, keep an eye on Twitch, on YouTube, just like see what's happening mm-hmm. around the game. And so everyone just kind of got to hang out, which was nice. And then uh, throughout the weekend, that just kind of continued. So there weren't any large issues. Um, we even had the, uh, a stream going on the Steam store page uh, and brought in both uh, Quantum Anomaly and Amber's Arcade to do streaming on there. We were really worried that, that you know, Steam chat, maybe this is going to be like a gross, horrible thing. Who knows? But it turned out to be very nice. And so we had a bunch of moderators lined up to, you yeah, know, we brought in a couple of our QA testers mm-hmm. to guarantee we'd have moderators there. And then it turned out it was just fine. It was all fine. So it was a very smooth. The process was very smooth this time around. And we did a few things a little bit differently than, than in years past. One, of course, is just the general DevOps thing. But a big one was uh, a couple of days before launch, we went through and looked at recently launched Game Maker games in their forums for basically searching for their section where it's like, here's the common issues people have with like technically with the game and then just straight up took all of it. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. if it was like, Oh, you get a black screen. Oh, the uh, like controller input doesn't work. Whatever else. These are usually game maker related issues rather than your game related. And so we just took those and kind of compiled them ahead of time. And I think that helped a bunch to already have that knowledge bank in place to, to stop the usual problem, which is, Oh, we're getting these reports of people like this windows seven thing, which we couldn't foresee. Um, and, and being able to kind of make sure we get to focus on the game itself as opposed to some of these crashes and things like that. Yeah. So yeah, it was very smooth. Yeah. So that was that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how about like where what did we expect in terms of audience, in terms of player participation or coverage, and and how did it just how did it go? So let's talk about that. Yeah. So this was the interesting one, I think, because we're you know, everyone's told to treat your early access launch like a full launch, right? Mm-hmm. Which means you do literally everything you would normally do. Yeah. So you're reaching out to press. You're reaching out to YouTubers, mm-hmm. Twitch streamers. You're mm-hmm. buying ads if you can. Buying ads if possible. Yeah. yeah. And so we were doing all these things. And of course, we've only ever launched games. So our expectation was, okay, probably this is just going to be like a muted version of of a full launch. Yeah. So we get like the launch day spike and then it'll kind of fall mm-hmm. down and then we'll get like a slow growth hopefully or whatever. Exactly. But what we, what we saw instead was mainly that uh, most of the energy then that people – bring to the game is just one of or when they for example arrive on the store page from somewhere is mainly one of interest but waiting so this right. is what actually happens with early access titles right is most people they're like this looks cool but it's an early access well, so people, people say like this looks cool but it's not out yet yes yeah. so i'm gonna just wish list it and just keep an eye yeah. on it right and so we did get a, a healthy amount of a very healthy amount of wish lists um for our, as far as you know like our own personal metrics uh, and then as far as like just total player base, we got enough people that we can – that the communities like you can see them all pouring into the Discord over the course of a few days. And it's not so much that it like – that we're worried about it basically exploding our back-end web ar- architecture. Yeah, well, and it's, also, nice. yeah, and it's also not so much that – because we, we designed the system around the idea that there would be a, a huge number of people like publishing levels all the time and playing stuff all the time. And so while we, we got – we now have enough players that we can test out some of the theories that we had that, that you know, that determine what numbers that we used for thresholds and stuff. We don't have yet the kinds of numbers that we need to find out, like, where, where are the other holes that are, that are still? Yeah, well, I, I think this kind of puts us into uh, one thing I hadn't anticipated that actually I think is really good is so, – so essentially what early access allows us to do now is because of that, that tendency that people have to see the game, see an early access, be like, this looks good, but I'm going to just wait, wait. Then what that means is it, it sets us up really good for a launch later, you yes. know, because the longer we kind of sit here in early access, the more yeah. people come across it, the more wish lists you, you get. And then when you do your full launch, you get like a second pass at uh, getting that exposure. But but in early access, actually, your game is suppressed by a lot of the algorithms and stuff. So 
So when you do your full launch, you get like the full visibility plus all of the wish lists and everything else. But during this time, we now get to do kind of this like slow burn growth mm-hmm. over time, which means that that if we have issues that start to appear with our server, you know, in terms of load and stuff like that, as the population grows, then we should be able to deal with them in a more sort of thoughtful way yeah. instead of like panicking. Less of a crisis yeah. management. Yeah. Duct yeah. Now, together. we still might do that to ourselves yeah, if we do some kind of uh, like a free weekend at some point down the road or whatever. Um, but we haven't really we haven't really figured out if yeah. we want to do that. But uh, so we, we could still just burn everything to the ground in terms of our web infrastructure. Yeah. Well, it is <laughs> interesting launching a game that, that requires some web, some like intense web component, right? Is that that question is always sort of just unanswered. No, no matter what kind of tests you do, even if you do sort of full scale automated, uh, basically hammering, basically uh, DDoS attack um, uh, testing, right? Because what actual players do is going to be different. And of course, they're all using real devices. And, and you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're sort of simulating it, you're going to be using bots that just talk directly to the server, not through a browser and that sort of thing. Um, so you just you really just can't know what's going to happen until you get all those people in there. And so if you're going to go from the game basically not being launched, right, and working working for a few hundred people, maybe or something like that. To and, like 10,000 concurrent. Yeah, to like 10,000 concurrent. Uh, you uh, just have no idea yeah. what's going to happen. And the problem there, of course, is that if it doesn't work, uh, that, there's now a lot of people that are like yeah. waiting for that to work. And so you're under enormous time pressure to yeah. to diagnose what's going on and then fix it to make all of that. Yeah. And I mean, web tech is, is, is not easy. And I, and I, I mean – I play a lot of MMOs and never a week goes by when you don't see the Twitter account of some uh, like of the the game yeah. studio or whatever being like, hey, everybody, our authentication servers are down in this region for the next <laughs> right. two hours. Something's going wrong. Well, We're trying to figure thing, it out. Right? Yeah. I mean, even Steam went – Steam's backend stuff went down actually for in like two different times this weekend. And so a we couple were, hours at a time. Yes, we weren't able to see any of the data. Yeah, that was a panic was moment. Happening? We're looking at the back end and we're like – Oh, yeah. All we of a sudden, our sales went down to yeah. literally zero. We haven't yeah. made a single sale in two, two hours. hours. Like, and then all of a sudden, it, it just like retroactively filled back. And we're yeah. like, oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> no, it yeah. freaked me out. Yeah. Well, yeah. at that point, you know, you would expect there to be something. So at that point, it's like something has gone – either something has gone horribly exactly. wrong or we just are blind. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's much easier to go from, from one to many than from zero to one is sort of the rule, right? And so if you're looking at your sales and there's literally zero – that is a that's strong a, signal from the market. That's, that's <laughs> trouble. That's you, trouble. You fucked it up really bad. Um, so it's it's really interesting. I think the it was it was great watching the the community. Like I think our our Discord server is just lovely. I'm just gonna be honest. Oh yeah, it's like, fucking great. And it was great. And we, we did have some. There was some uh, like an intense discussion about the naming system, which of course we knew. We've talked about in the podcast. We knew some people. And we've already get, had a few of those in the past with other people. Exactly. <laughs> so we knew some people were gonna get uh, a little salty about it. But it was really interesting to see because we just have we tried to have actual sort of discourse in the server. And so that means there's there's sort of these cultural rules that become enforced by the whole community, which is just like you just be nice when you're talking to people and then you come to these discussions with sort of a open mind. And so it was really fun, you know, even having those that same discussion as we've had before with people about the naming system or about some of these other systems in the game, like the fact that the campaign is hard uh, and you have to beat it in order to unlock content. Those are the two things we knew people were going to be likely upset about. Yep. And they were. But it didn't not have very this, many though. Not very many, and it also didn't have this. Uh, I think because it was taking place in our Discord channel, it has a different sort of context than if it was just like a random place on the internet. Yeah, it's so more it's about just like feedback and kind of questions than it is about. I'm super angry about this. Go change yeah, it. You yeah, suck. I will say the game currently has like a 95 percent 
rating? Something like or that. Seven? I don't know. It's very positive. It was 97 last I checked, but I think that was biased because of our early early group of, of <laughs> right. fans coming in, you know. So and been, on that note, if you do, listeners, buy the game. Mm-hmm. Um, please go also rate it. Yeah, give it the old thumbs up. Because basically Steam needs to know that it's good before it starts putting in a lot of stuff. That's kind of the rule. Yeah. yeah. Um, Which is kind of a, it's a circular problem. It's hard to like get out of the the cycle. But yeah. once you're out, then you're in the algorithms and you're good. Right? Yeah. Well, let's so, talk a little bit about like press and influencer attention. On yeah, because yeah, that we got basically zero of. Yes. Which, and that, to, of, me, to well, me, that's is, as of today. Keep my to this me, that was the biggest recording. surprise. Well, yeah. here's the thing, though. Everything we had, everything we saw was basically saying – People don't really cover early access games. Yeah. Like they don't really respond to yeah. uh, to key – like if you send them keys, if they're YouTubers, if they're Twitch streamers, they if it's a newly launching early access game, don't expect anybody to yeah. notice. And, and we were team, like, they'll team. notice. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, I assumed most people wouldn't. But I also figured – Somebody would. Somebody. No, yeah. But there no. are so many of them. There no, was, it was right. It, yeah. it was we should have we should have listened. Yeah, there was one good YouTuber video that came out the day before launch. Yeah, a smaller YouTuber, which was incredible and it very fun. And they yeah. played co-op, which they played, was yeah, hilarious. They had so much fun, and uh, and you could tell that they were just like loving it. Um, but yeah, we basically got like none. Uh, and and this was this was the surprising, yeah, horrifying thing. At least like for me personally, because I was like shit. Yeah, also for um, me, the, re- the rest I could just kind of like explain. I'm like, okay, I get it, whatever. Uh, but given that our – because the problem with this game, which was also confirmed by our our Steam rep uh, when we were like – we were asking like, is this going fine? You know, uh, was just that people don't know this game exists. People don't yes. people don't know about it. And, and again, and that's also a circular problem. problem because, because people don't know exists. They're like, why didn't I know this exists? Right. Is it because it's bad? Uh-huh. I guess it's and, bad. And even in like yeah. – because there were there were a solid handful of people who who would stream it over the over the weekend um, on like on Twitch in particular – and and none of them were you know huge streamers of any sort. But one of the questions I saw, and a lot of it was like our own community, just like chatting in the same place, right? But one of the one of the ones that I saw that was somebody from outside of our community uh, who was basically streaming to people outside of our community. Um, and there was only a handful of them. But the questions that the people were asking were like, "Where did this Where did this game come from? How come I haven't seen anything about it?" And it, was like, <laughs> it was like those kinds of questions. And uh, and yeah, I mean that's basically it's because we haven't had any of that coverage yet. Yeah. Um, that people don't know that this game exists. Well, yeah, so clawing this, your way from the bottom is very difficult. Yeah. yeah. Well, this puts us into an. This puts us into a. In my opinion, actually, like a good position in the sense that that we just get to slowly win people over. Yeah. Like little. We bits got this kind of hidden gem sitting. Yeah, here, and so know? because so far, what I've seen is, uh, I, I mean, I know this kind of sounds like sort of to- tooting your own horn, but hey, we made a cool game, so I'm just gonna say it. <laughs> People who have played the game who didn't know about it or whatever, I'm watching them on uh, Twitch streams, on YouTube or whatever, and every time they're just like, this is great. Like, I can't believe – I can't believe how good this is. Yeah, I mean one of the highlights from the weekend was was last night, Sunday night. Um, we got – there was a tweet that came out from Tom Marks, who's the the review editor at IGN, who was who basically just said – Holy shit! I just played through the entire campaign. Of he didn't level just play head. through. He hundred percent percent it. Yeah, he found all the secrets. Yeah, everything. He said, <laughs> he said like I'm like legit addicted to this thing, and I played it all weekend. And then here's my two levels I built, recreating the entire uh, first level of Donkey Kong. Go play my levels. Yeah, he made and a one to one recreation of those levels. Uh, it was like a blaster. No, blaster canyon. Barrel like barrel canyon. Blaster canyon. Yeah, and. Uh, and yeah, I mean, like the 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 response from the player base has been phenomenal. Where like, it is clearly a very good thing. It is, I think, heads and tails above even our design capabilities with something like Crashlands. Um, and so it's been that's been just phenomenal to see. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's it allows us to make decisions. I think a little more confidently going forward too. When we say, okay, yeah, the campaign is challenging. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. Yes. 
um, is it okay that we're doing some of the, like how we're doing some of the share code stuff, how, how we're doing all these things? Is is this all working? And, and the answer is yes. And certainly there's a bunch of stuff that we found that we were, we're going to be tuning up. Um, but my favorite streamer to watch is actually there's a guy named Mighty Mike who is yeah. a German streamer uh, who is super fun to watch. And then his first day of streaming, the like title of his stream was Mario Maker Clone, essentially. Yeah, I think he just stumbled across the game on Steam and and picked it up. Yeah, I don't know something. if he got it or yeah. I don't know if our PR team sent him a key. I don't know. Um, and then the next day it was something like much more than a Mario Maker Club. Yeah. <laughs> and so like, yeah, you just see that winning people over sort of thing yeah. happening. Yeah. And, and I think and that's as, as people are going through the campaign, you know, they keep every couple of levels, you know, we got some new mechanic. And mm-hmm. as they go through the campaign, you, I could just see people's minds getting blown as they go through. Yeah. They're just like, what? There's yeah. so many things in this yeah. game, yeah. you know? Uh, and of course we don't even have everything. Like we've developed a lot of content and not all of it is ready for release yet, yeah. but it's kind of like waiting in the wings. So we don't even have everything out yet that, that, we already that we've have. already started, you know. So the game is just going to keep getting better, keep getting bigger. Um, and so I, I, I'm a true believer in uh, the power of our community around the game to continually spread the word and bring people in. And, you know, well, it'll go. Yeah. Well, we'll I mean, I think this this week will also prove out some things, too. Um Because I think there's also there's not as much urgency around an early access launch, especially an indie one. Yeah. Um, as there is around the full launch of anything. You mean in terms of uh, like press, press coverage? Yeah. Or, yeah. And so I'm curious this week to see, of course, we're recording this on Monday, so who knows. Um, but I'm curious to see if there's going to be any follow on coverage for the rest of this week. Um, and I, I I still hope that there is, because as as you said, so as nice as it is, that like we have we do have this good uh, cohort of people in there and, and the, the energy is really great and the game's really good. Um you know, I certainly wouldn't have minded getting some damn YouTube coverage. <laughs> well, I, I think I think we some good broadcast. Because yeah, the articles and stuff like that—that's really it's all about that stamp of approval. Where like, if you yes. look up, you know, Levelhead, and there's like 20 recent articles about cool stuff going on in the game, then you're like, oh shit, yeah. yeah. If you look it up and there's no articles, yeah. you're like, uh, and that's also where that why we keep on pushing. And we even hop in the Discord, and if we see people are having a good time, we're like, hey, make sure you go review the game because that's also that stamp where it's like, if you see that a game in early access already has a hundred positive reviews for example and is overwhelmingly positive it's it just starts lowering that barrier again to actually yeah trying yeah. it out yeah so. people are people are risk averse and that's yeah and that, they're sense. right to be absolutely you know? yeah. um yeah i think we've all been been burned by uh buggy or broken early access oh, yeah. games and in, in various ways and, and we're i mean we are at the top price tier for indie titles you know yeah we could the only the higher place would be 25 or 30 dollars and that's usually start creeping into being a 3d game yeah at a minimum there yeah we, that we extra probably have to is be. five whole dollars mm-hmm. yeah yeah so, which is comical so yeah what that means though is so if we sell it for 25 or 30 dollars then we'd, we'd have to make it 3d so we'll just mm-hmm. do that yeah so just check the 3d we'll just box. yeah there's a little 3d box you can check well, oh yeah you it's, it's right next that. to the make online one, one, of, box. one <laughs> of the interesting one of the questions that we've gotten a few times which i think is kind of an interesting one is is people asking if they can like run the game in 4k mm. which is i think it's it's interesting how people don't quite connect the dots of like what is happening sort of functionally in a 2d game versus a 3d game because in a 3d game you have this camera that's like rendering the edges of polygons and stuff mm-hmm. like that and so you can you can scale it down to like 640 by 480 or, or up to you know 4K or whatever, and you just get to have more pixels, right? Yeah, because right. because the your textures don't get to have more right, pixels. Your textures stay the same, but the, but like what you're seeing on screen, you just get to have more, right? Yeah. But in a 2D game, it's actually made out of pre-made pictures. 
It's only mm-hmm. textures. Yeah. So like if you see a, a, a an image on the internet that's like a certain size and you're like, I want this in 4K. It's like, well, you can't because that's just what it this is. Just what right? it is now, yeah. right? And so so everything in a 2D game is that, of course. Um, and so we, we have gotten that question a few times, which I think is kind of – I just always explain it. Like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But And the answer is yes, you can play it in 4K. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is, just is the short answer. You're not going to get more pixels. <laughs> yeah. But it will be bigger. Yeah. So um, – Okay, so then, so the and game it, is I out. have played it on my 4K TV, and it looks good. It does. So, yeah. um, so going forward, we're going to be focusing on uh, trying to get basically a patch out a week. Mm-hmm. So I, I shouldn't say trying because, like, we actually are patching sort of daily or multiple times per day, but we're not going to be deploying things yeah, out. We'll uh, be trying to release stuff on Wednesdays, essentially. Is yeah. The idea. Yeah, that's the plan for now. If that turns out to be a weird timing, that's or something, the plan we'll for sh- at least for this. At week. least for this. <laughs> As Wednesday. in when this, yeah, when this podcast, mm-hmm. actually in private too, is we wanted to kind of pair it with the podcast episode and mm-hmm. timeline because that way, if there was something interesting in the in the patch notes, we could, you know, get a little, get a little dive into it on the mm-hmm. podcast. Yes. As well. And one of the things I'm excited, actually, two of the things I'm excited about going forward for this, this thing. Actually, no, wait, three things. One, we got a big uh, update on the, the scoreboard at the end. So now you can see actual leaderboard and you can see the top three places, mm-hmm. yep. which is great. Because previously, all you could see was the number one person. Which meant that it was harder to taunt people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if you unseat somebody, their name is just gone. You can't even remember who it was. Yeah. yeah. But now you can see their name right below your name. And then when mm-hmm. you screenshot it and send it to them, now they know. <laughs> like they know they know what you've done and how much you beat them by. It also has been really interesting because you you play those levels where where some speedrunner just crushes it. Because we got we got a handful of speedrunners who are really, really good. And my thought the whole time was always like, okay, well. I could probably still get like second or third place, but once I saw the leaderboards in there, then even the people who aren't completely crushing it are still fucking crushing yep. it. Yep. <laughs> and so, so every like I was I was playing through a whole bunch of community levels last night, and every level I played through, I get to the end and I'd be like, you know, a minute, three minutes, eight minutes, even, and I'd be like, okay, I can see how I could like well, now that I know it, and if I shave it all out, down. I could like shave this way down, and then I go look at the leaderboard, and all three slots are just like ten seconds, thirty seconds, five yeah, seconds. Like, I'm like, I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> How is that even What's really possible? Fun, we do have a it's a retrofile TV has been doing sort of evening streams and he's been he's essentially the, the resident speedrunner now. He's um, got like a hundred something fastest times. I have I've been watching this dude play is just unreal. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, and it's crazy too because like the more the more top scores top times you have, the more exposed you are, mm-hmm. right? Because People like start seeing you because now you've got you've got so many records that the chance of any one of them being taken from you at any time is is equivalent across all of them, which means. Any given day, like he, he, after I think the first day or something, he logged back in and he had lost 10, Mm -hmm. just like right out of the gate, you know? (laughs) So, uh, uh, so I think the higher you go on that list, the more you have to like fight to defend your title, which I'm really excited to see as, as more and more levels get made, as more people get in, more speed runners get into the community, just how vicious the battles are going to be. Yeah. It's going to be intense. Um, Yeah. There was another interesting, oh yeah. So the other, the other couple of things, Bernie Whirlers, which is our like fire. It's like whippy mm-hmm. fire thing. You can now have up to four, which is going to like so four, ch- four fire, fire chains on a single thing. We should do that thing where the center one you can swap out with a piece of just fire. Just another also. fire. Just mm-hmm. fire. all Just, just fire. Like, tur- yeah. like turtles all the way down. Yep. Um, and then also we got a little boombox update. So previously boombox is a little, little like they make sounds in the game. So you, people have made music and stuff mm-hmm. out of them. Um, and so I've updated their little control panel so that they're a lot easier to use. But the cool thing about it is now it's like a little slider you can use to pick the note and it plays notes as you slide it around. Mm-hmm. And I accidentally just spent like 20 minutes just like whipping the slider around, like <laughs> making stupid noises. Uh, so that's going to be super cool. I had one other thing I wanted to talk about, mm. which is this interesting uh, question about uh, 
people publish levels and then they discover that there's a flaw in their level. Yeah. Yeah. So what do we think about this? Do you want to have a live discussion, design discussion about it? Well, no, I just, I think, I think we're all on the same page. I just think it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting sort of conundrum from the perspective of, of building levels and publishing them, having other people play them and like how that interacts with the ecosystem of the entire community. Because we've had a lot of of internal design discussions about should people be able to pull their level down? Should people be able to delete their level? Should they be able to edit it and republish it? And we've landed firmly on the side of no, Mm -hmm. like you put your level out there and it is what it is. Um, Because there's there's been discussions of, of people who built a level with an intended route yeah. That somebody's supposed to take, and then a speedrunner comes in there, and they just poke around for like ten minutes trying mm-hmm. to find, and they and they know how to do every little yeah. trick in the and, fucking and book, and so they discover some trick that like lets them shave twenty seconds off by skipping this one part of the level that you weren't supposed to be able to skip, and and the creators of the levels will often say like, well, my level is ruined now, mm-hmm. like that's the that's the framing that that we that kind of keeps coming in, and I'm wondering like, what's your what's your take on this? Well, I, I've Two minds about it. One, I think the reality is all the campaign levels, for example, do get play tested, mm-hmm. and I do edit the shit out of them. And in yeah. fact, I'm still editing them to yeah. this day. So speedrunners still find their way around everything. Oh yeah, but also so notably, not, we have to do that because they gate content behind them. They do. So um, they do have to be beatable and all and that. And so I'm, I'm of basically two minds about it. Which is the first one is uh, I do think it would be good for people to be able to edit their levels. I do because I think. When you put a level out there, and not because of speedrunners, actually, I think if that's if that's the reason why you want to edit your level, I think you're doing it wrong because like they're just gonna get it. Like the thing I've learned from watching people play the campaign, even people who aren't speedrunners, is that people will they people, cannot be constrained. They cannot people be are, contained. They're like chaos monkeys. It's insane. <laughs> it's insane. And some of the power ups that you give them, people just do stuff where you're like, quit, just get down from there, get off. That. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I even got you know I got a report from uh, from uh, Rescue Two who who said, hey, uh, you know I found this. There's this divot. In the top of this level, on the final level of the game, you can scale up on top of it and run across the top if once you have one of the power-ups. He's like, I found this hole, but there's nothing in it. And I'm like, I didn't mean to put a hole there. It's just like there's it just also, a block yeah, missing. You weren't supposed to be up You were supposed to get <laughs> down from there. And so like, I feel like that's – you know, it's hard for me actually to watch – uh, even streamers play because, of course, the whole time you're sort of screaming inside your own mind and you're like, I meant you to do this. Go do this thing. Yeah. And so I think there's there's an important note there, which is that as a as a designer of a level, which, of course, our players become in this case, um, you cannot you absolutely you can't cannot put people in a box, contain people as much as you would like to, as much as you would like to have them do exactly what the experience is, especially the first time. Um, so there's that. And I think the reality, though, is that there are plenty of ways in which you'll build a level and then realize that you did fuck it up. In a very real oh, yeah. way where you're yeah. like, oh, what you were supposed to see to do here was this or I really don't want that to be sort of the normal route that people take. And I think that's super legit. And so I think I'm basically have two minds about it, which is I, I, I would like people to be able to edit their levels. But there I mean, has to be all the consequences are really problematic. There's some really interesting consequences. So you yeah, have to answer yeah. this question. This is, this is one of those door problems, right? This is a classic design problem, um, which just says, OK, so if people can edit their levels, what does this mean? Because there are leaderboards attached to every single yeah, one so that, that invalidates leaderboards right. okay. so you would so you would take away people's shoes and crowns mm-hmm. it also invalidates all the stats because the stats only make sense they're whole the stats are designed for us to figure out how a level right. is right so now your level so now we don't know anything about your level anymore so to purge all your stats purge the leaderboard okay. so it also sucks for all the players who like got right. the so the question is do we do we do we prize more your ability to edit the level than we do for people to count on their shoes and 
ribbons being reflected uh, in, in their, their scores. So there's that. Uh, and then when it comes to getting the level back down, you have an exploit problem, which is if I really just want to get like a ton of exposure on myself and on my levels, probably the best thing I could do is take a level that I know I made that's really good, publish it, put it to the top of the market department, let it accumulate a bunch of plays, and then like maybe get some subscribers out of the deal. And then once it gets put into the tower, because we don't currently have surfacing mechanisms aside from just going into the tower mm-hmm. to play levels, uh, pull it back down, republish it again, pump it to the top of the marketing department because that tends to be where people hang out to play levels, right? Yep. So, okay, now we have an exploit yeah. problem. Uh, how do we make sure that people don't do that? And as yeah, much as you can this say- is a, this is a This is a gaming the system problem for the creator because now it feels like that's what you should be doing. Yes. Yeah. And it sucks for the players because- Now they see the same content they can't, over and yeah, over They again. keep seeing the same things over and over again and they can't count on things being persistent. Yeah, like yeah. they'll play a level, they'll favorite it, and then all of a sudden it's it's literally It's gone. a different, or, or it's yeah. just different. Or yeah. it's different now, yeah. So there, there if, are, you, if you can, because like, sure- we want to solve the problem being able to like you make a broken level and you publish it, yeah. right? But also most of what's going to happen is that people are going to make a completely fine level and then go make changes to it yes, because they like want this yes. to be a little bit different or whatever. And so now all of a sudden like the levels – yeah, basically nothing becomes trustworthy anymore mm-hmm. yeah. unless you just depublish a level completely. But now nothing is permanent anymore. Yeah. So, so, But that might be fine, but, but it's, yeah, it's, it's well, tremendous think, consequence on the whole system. I think so this kind of comes back to our inventory management uh, – plan for Crashlands. Mm -hmm. Because in Crashlands, we basically had, originally we did have inventory and you could open up your bag and you could see things. And, and as we, as we developed the game and added more items to the game, we kept having to come up with ways to sort of like make this system not suck. Right. Mm -hmm. So we, we kept expanding the inventory. Then we added chests that you could build. And then we had like an auto sort mechanism. Then you could name your chests and then you could link chests together. Like we just had to keep like keep doing things to try to make this not suck. And what we found was that when we were playing the game, we would spend like a third of our time just looking at an inventory screen mm-hmm. instead of running around in the world, fighting monsters and like doing engaging things. Right. And so I think the con- the concern that we always have with if, if we let people just continuously unpublish their level, edit it, republish it, unpublish it, edit it, republish, then, then the incentives are really weird for that. Because it might be the optimal strategy to, like you said, yeah, get your level right. seen a lot or something. Um, and so then you end up in the scenario where instead of building new and interesting things. You're constantly side grading. You're just constantly just kind of like yeah. wiggling things around. So, but there's a there's an interesting note here, which is the, re- the request has been for the ability to edit levels, right? That's the player But request. the solution can be something else. The solution like, can be something else entirely. Because, let people play test your level. Yes, because yeah. the problem is not the fact that the level is published and then you want to edit. The problem is that yeah. you cannot get it play tested if it's you don't you, have it's any. It's that you missed something. Yeah. yeah is it, you, can't, you, you actually can't play test it if you have no other human in your vicinity, which yeah. like a lot of people play games like, you know, just by themselves. Or this is a high school game. Like you can't just have maybe your daughter is like interested, but you can't just you can't have her play test a level. Like I can't yeah. have certain people in the office play test levels at the end of the campaign because it doesn't show me literally anything until that person has gone through the entire campaign. Right. Yeah. And so that's probably the actual problem. And yeah. that's what we need to solve in, a, in an interesting, clever way. So, you know, what if there's an opportunity for, well, and we still haven't set up the, the synced part of the workshop yet. Exactly. Right. And so once, once levels are synced, that means that they are on this, on the internet mm-hmm. yeah, or once they're in progress levels, which means that in principple, you can you pass could, it off. To you could let somebody, you know, download it and give it a try. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and that but that creates you know this this new set of design questions like do we make a QA department like the marketing department where you can just like go play test levels? But then of course, uh, but that of course now you, takes away from the marketing department. Um, and but know, also how would you know what people were doing in your level? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Because yeah, now, now also we need think, feedback. To me, system. actually, I, th- I think what it should do is is actually reinforce and pull on the community in a really big way. 
which is so one of the things that you have to do. So if, if in order for a community to function, you have to start building these relationships, right, between other players. And on top of that, there has to be some risk involved. So this is my, this is my favorite thing actually about seeing people share their levels currently uh, in the Discord is that you got to keep in mind, like people spend time on these things. Yeah. Like, when, like people spend like five to eight hours building a level and then they'll say, hey, you know, go, like, go play my level, go check it out. And it's super exciting. And also you can imagine how horrible it would be if you say like, hey, go play this level. And people are like, this is garbage. <laughs> yep. And so yeah. and we've, we've largely limited the ways people can say that aside from literally saying it. To some like space in a, in a chat, Discord chat, yeah. yeah. And so um, the thing I'm really excited about is is the opportunity to to actually provide this a mechanism by which, for example, like this collaborative idea, where you say, "I have this level, I need someone to play test it." If the function exists for you to be able to like send a level to someone, yeah. Privately. So you still just use a share code. You still use a share code, but you have to establish that relationship with the person actually right. outside the context of the game, right? Um, so, inst- so instead of us, instead of you just sort of like anonymously dumping your level into a play test, yes. you say, hey, I'm, and then you, you'll have people rise up in the community who are known for just being good at providing some design critique, right? Yep. And say, yeah. hey, maybe you should try this, try this, whatever else. Um, and so I think that's actually what I'm most excited about is providing providing just the tool, but not the not any of the other engagement stuff inside yeah. of the game. And then mm-hmm. allowing the community to take that and actually become more robust because of that. Because if you think about how risky of a fun or a relationship that could be. It's like, okay, so I'm going to send this to someone to play test. Now they're going to give me feedback. And that person gets to be part of the journey at that level then at that point. Yep. As opposed to just a bystander, right? Yeah. And then we have the further questions, which is what about like actual collaborative levels where I could build part of it and then send it over to Adam and be like, hey, you've, like, you finished this. Yeah, well, because we could, we could even have credits on a level, right? It's like, because if, if you send it off to, to be mm-hmm. QA'd by somebody, yeah. um, if, we, if we actually store that fact somehow, um, they it can, can, it can, can even embed be, it in the level yeah. so that now when it gets played by somebody else, like and once you beat it, it's like special thanks to you know this person, this person, this person for for QA. Well, right? it could even be an aggregated stat on your profile. You know, it could show how many like how many levels you have play tested for yep, other people right. or something. So like you that. talk about a, some a much more interesting solution to the same problem, yeah, right? right? Which is the reality and, is and one that gets this. deep that gets closer to the core of the problem, which is if somebody. As soon as you hand your level to other people, you immediately see the flaws in it. Yep. Like, yeah. this, is, this happens this to me too. This is, this is for as, as – what I love about this is our players get to experience just like the tip of the iceberg of what it feels like to be a, <laughs> to be a game developer oh, yeah. every day. Of like you spend you – spend, so for us, it's like, for us, it's like we spend two years building a thing. We hand it to somebody and they're like, this is garbage. We're like, fuck. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. But in Levelhead, you know, you, you get a microcosm of that. You know, you spend four hours building a level and then you hand it to somebody and they're like, well, I'm just going to skip this. They're just going yeah. like, shit. Yeah. It's, it's one uh, thing too, especially coming from the side of being a developer and then going into the marketing department, like just like last night, looking at people's levels. I wanted to give everybody's level some time. You know, like I wanted, mm-hmm. I wanted to be like, because I felt so bad every time I saw a level with like a small number of plays or something. I was like, I got to just I get was like, in here. I feel bad for you, guy. Yeah. Little buddy. Little and, level uh, buddy. Because <laughs> I, I get it, you know? So so then I would go in. Of course, these are always the the very hard levels that have these tiny numbers of plays. And you're like, oh. Yeah. So I like, it. So I just oh, like, give it a few tries. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll I will say, I think I already know what my primary point of feedback would ever be, which is put more put checkpoints more check in. Points, yes. Man. For the love of God. Like the thing that makes someone exit your your level. Hundred percent, and I saw this in the campaign too. The campaign used to have limited life checkpoints all yeah. over the place. It now has none, aside yeah. from in like I think two circumstances. They are always infinite, and they always follow the same thing, which is you reward players for having conquered some ridiculously hard thing, yeah. and then you also uh, stop them from having to do some mundane shit. Yes, those are your two things. So if you realize you just put that in your level, put a checkpoint down because I played a bunch yesterday. And, I, and one of them in particular was so fun. The opening was insane. 
and I beat the opening. It took back five minutes. So Which just one was to get this, was this the one with the cannons underneath? There's this, this one had smart cannons, and okay, then I uh, I did, basically you had to use the waylay to, to charge jump onto a bunch of clouds while dodging fireballs. Or nice, shot. awesome, amazing. <laughs> and so I go through this whole thing, and it was like really intense and fun. And I nailed it on like the sixth try, and it felt incredible. And then I hop up, and there's there's no checkpoint. And I was like, well, shit. And then you got killed. And then there's like this tremendous spike thing that I yeah. had to get through. Yeah. And I was like, this is not happening. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I quit because well, I was like, I'm not here for this. Oh, yeah. well, I just saw uh, usually what happened in the Discord is somebody would, would, because this, this point of feedback always comes back yep. to people in the Discord as well. Somebody's like, man, that, that level was pretty good, but like it was kind of frustrating because there was no checkpoints or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the creator always says something like, well, I didn't have a hard time with it. I was like, that's, again, it's just like being a game yep. developer, right? Like, like yep. once you've engaged with the level, you know, you you've, see. you've placed every block, you've placed every projectile, every hazard. You've play tested it a thousand times. Yeah. So you've spent so much time on it. Uh, and because it's your level, then you're more forgiving about those things. Cause you, you don't, you're not going to make yourself frustrated. Well, and go, you know? going back to the whole, you're thinking about it from a different, yeah. Going back to the whole play testing thing. This is why we actually bring in people. So like, so when Sam is making a new level for the campaign, uh, he waits until it's done and then brings on somebody to play it. Um, who ideally does not even play games that much. Mm-hmm. Like that's the, and we even put out a call in our we want somebody who office was, complex. That was in yeah. particular for the first series. Yeah, of for levels. the first level. Right? Yeah, we want people who inherently actually are more prone to getting frustrated. Yeah. yeah. Like people who aren't really that into games. Yeah. yeah. We, we actually, we had talked about in the past, I mean, we should look back into this, of uh, having it so that when, once you completed your level and are like ready to publish it, uh, we would actually give you some auto-generated feedback, right? So like, if the level takes X amount of time before like you get to the end and there are no checkpoints, for example, then we'll be like, we'll just put up a little suggestion like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. we notice you don't have any checkpoints. Uh, like players, the, the, the players typically is, like these a lot more. Levels tend to get played more if there's a checkpoint in it. Yes. I'm just going to – that's a fact. Yeah. I don't even but, need to but, look but, at but this, but this is a perfect <laughs> thing. Actually, and we can even say like if you just – it could be as simple as if you don't have a checkpoint in your level. It's less likely to be played. It's we just we just, we just just put that message up there. And so we can actually have like a little – Sort of like how so we have this this thing called Glock apps, which is mm-hmm. how we how we test our emails to make sure they're not going into spam. Um, and what they do is they just basically have a little little icon of like, here's how many things might be wrong with your message, right? Yeah. And you can go and you can read through the list. So we can just have a running tally of that where we just have like a little number, kind of like an inbox of just like all the things that that might make your game or your level that you're making less played by other people. And that's mm-hmm. the focus, right? Wow. We, we don't say whether it's good or bad. So, we just so say you like, basically have like a little you could like run a little health check. Exactly. And it'd be like, Yeah, yeah here's yeah. some things that that might be good. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And if you, and if it, if the game requires like, because we, if we can also track stuff like how many package jumps a player is doing or how many like just anything that we can auto detect, we're gonna just have have that little tally and be like, most players like really suck at this, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So make sure you actually tag it with like the tag that like corresponds to this, so the right people play it and whatever. Sounds like we need some machine learning. We need some machine learning thing. in there. Mm-hmm. Someone call Google. No, I don't think that. <laughs> We've been trying to do that for a while now. <laughs> there are no people over there; only machines. It's that are only, learning. Yeah, the machine learning is doing its job. Yeah, too so I'm, good. I'm actually I'm super excited about that idea for like a testing thing. Yeah, so that's I'm pushing on that for the next couple of weeks and figure out how soon we can get that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I do I do think that it's it's likely that that especially in this first month into early access, we're going to be focusing really hard on those kinds of features mm-hmm. of trying to trying to find better uh, social features like the scoreboard update and stuff like that. Um, These are more systemic changes than there are content changes. So something to kind of be aware of. It's like we might be adding a few things to the game, but it's most of our energy is going to be going to this sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, on making it easier to share things, yeah. easier to find people, easier to find levels. You know, all yeah. That. But the fact is, there's already there's already plenty of stuff. I saw some of the streamers talking about it as they were like making levels and stuff, and they just said, you know, if you only had the first few elements of the game, you could still make infinite, really interesting levels, which is true. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so the game I, people are gonna they're gonna 
people always have the feeling once they have all the content that that there's not enough because that's just how you know it's the whole hedonic treadmill thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact is that it is enough, you know, and we're still going to put more in because like that's, that's fun. our job, right? Cause now. it's not enough. Cause it's not, enough. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, but the, the focus actually needs to be on the, the global play experience less so on, on the details of like add, adding, you know, individual elements. So each, each one of which adds a whole bunch of new gameplay opportunities. Definitely. Uh, but the bigger thing is, is yeah, if you can, if you can have people play test your level, if you can collaborate on levels in some way, if you can do this other kind of stuff that opens up an entirely new social experience yes. for this game. And it is, is social viable. At its heart, it so. is, yeah. Yeah. So maybe we should, after this podcast, we should uh, have a little conversation about yep. what this means. Yeah, it was the case. Or every maybe t- we every time. Did. I think we, we did now. Yeah. But every time I played somebody's level uh, in the in the in the marketing department i wanted like if i really liked it i wanted to go into the discord and be like hey i loved your level right yeah but of course like there's a disconnect there and i think and it's still a substantial fraction of those people are not in our discord even if they are they might not have their username in there or whatever right and so it was just kind of this this like there was this hole there where i wanted because all i could do is give them exposure bucks mm-hmm. right but that was it and uh which actually maybe we do need a well what, a reactions we, wheel or we something. might need a system <laughs> of a reaction system Kind of like Facebook. A reaction wheel. You just spin it and like you just get a random reaction. Even if it's just – but even even if we just take the whole like Reddit gold perspective, you know, where it's just like you earn – on top of exposure bucks, you also earn these like – Diamonds. These like medallions. (laughs) They don't don't do anything, right? They just – so they don't actually change the rank. They don't do anything. It's just like you you have a limited set of them and you can like give them to somebody to basically say like I see you and what you did was awesome, right? Well, we do have favorites, which people are using using for that that metric. So Yeah, I guess I don't don't really use the favorites because it's not that I want to play the level again. Right. To me, like, that's what a favorite nice. is. I just want to be able to say because there's infinite levels. Like I actually don't favorite anything because because it's fine. there's infinite levels. Yeah. <laughs> you don't uh, need to revisit it. I don't need I to revisit it. A couple that I thought were really clever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it's true. Yeah. So, so we, we we want to refine all of this. I mean, this is exactly what the early access was for: was to just say, figure out what, what are we missing. Yeah, what are we missing, and what what would make this go from being something that people play and love to being something that people literally play as a hobby. Yeah. And people are like, what game are you playing? You're like Levelhead. They're like, still, it's been four years, and you're like, I still have a lot of things to <laughs> yep. do. It's infinite, and I'm having a good time. Here's four more. Yeah. Yeah, it needs to be like Minecraft, you know? Mm-hmm. You just play it forever, Keep and then stuff. Microsoft offers us a billion dollars, but we'll say no. Mm-hmm. Because we saw what happened. I guess they're doing fine, actually. Yeah, it's fine, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe actually, we'll say yes. We may say yes. A billion <laughs> well, is a yeah. lot of dollars. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a, that's lot, a lot of, of dollars. You can get a lot of LED strips. Yeah. So you get a lot of $9 dollar wallets for that and stuff. I'll <laughs> say, I'll say, I don't know about you guys, but that, I mean, that is what I'm here for. The wallets? Or uh, the LED the strips? The LED strips. Yeah. 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 You know, if I, we could just get paid in LED strips, that'd be perfect. That'd be awesome. Yeah. So we'll, we can we could probably negotiate that yeah. on some level. I'm somebody. sure they'd be very happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> be like three LED strips that's <laughs> for all of your intellectual property. Twenty eight dollars. Are you, you a do, monk? <laughs> <laughs> you could just order them. Yeah, you're an LED uh, monk. Uh, let's get out of some questions. Uh, these questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. Uh, if you'd like to get your questions onto a future episode, you can go there and ask, and you can also vote up other people's questions to push them to the top. So. Uh, let's get started. First question comes from Retro Banana Man NL. In episode 196, you said that seasoning makes food good. So what are your opinions about eating insects when prepared properly? Probably they're good. They're good. Adam ate a scorpion. Yeah, it was good. That's not an insect, though, so it doesn't count. It's uh, a... Is it an arachnid? It's a land demon. It's a land demon. It's like a lobster. A land... I think it's a little bit... I think it's a little bit weird that people are totally cool with eating shrimp. And, and lobster. lobster and crab and not bugs and not bugs. Yeah. Like, stations like, are just water bugs. Yeah. People yeah. people eat a they look at a bug and like no that needs to be way bigger 
mm-hmm. and underwater. And then I'm then I'm yeah. I'm well, dead. that's a weird part too, because like for me, when I'm if I'm eating bugs, uh, this if they're really small, I'm like, so I had like you know chocolate covered ants and whatever. Like if it's really small, if it's kind of occluded, then I'm like, oh, I don't give a fuck. This is fine. It's just food, right? <laughs> but the bigger it gets. The more yeah. the more gross that so there's seems, an even though, but, valley, your point, but your point though is that is that when you go underwater though the bigger it gets the better yeah because yeah. you want a giant you want like a ten pound lobster king crab right? with yeah, king legs crab. seven miles long yeah we just fucking we just take a crab which looks like a a, a water demon a giant water right? yeah. and it's got yeah it's a giant it's just a giant uh, hideous spider mm-hmm. with covered in armored plates with these mm-hmm. giant creepy ass legs with spikes on them right? uh-huh. and we just and like grab mouth- that leg we just rip it off and then we start like crunching it open with these mm-hmm. little tools and like we're getting our hands in there and like mm-hmm. sucking the meat out listen like a bunch of barbarians a Crazy. crab's mouth has arms yeah I can't emphasize I this enough I love looking- <laughs> their mouths are so fun because they're always just like they, their mouths you know, are covered no hands. in hands mm-hmm. okay yeah that is, if that's not fucking weird, I there's nothing no, weirder like than a crab predator. Face, you watch me, there's like, oh, no. <laughs> just like pulling stuff in with their little mouth hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's all to say, like, I know in principle, there's nothing even remotely more gross about a land insect than a sea, mm-hmm. whatever these things are. A demon. sea demon. Sea demon. Uh, and, but yeah, but it, it's, there's those food taboos that, and this is the thing about food taboos, right? Is that they're all bullshit things that you were yeah. inculcated with as a child growing up. Uh, and I've moved past a lot of them, um, but the bugs one, the bugs one I've only, I've only like just inched into, but the main problem is because there's nowhere you can just go eat bugs. You know, That's almost, true. almost every food, tab- at least where we live, almost every food taboo there is, there's like, because there's a culture where that is not a taboo. If you're in a city that's multicultural enough, there's a restaurant where you can go eat that thing yep. and it's fine. But bugs. It's a familiarity problem. Yeah, Wait a just, minute. They're just not available here. I think I know what it is. We need a food truck. I think people- We do need a bug I truck. I think it's not mm-hmm. actually bugs. I, I think it's that people have a strong taboo against eating heads. That's true. That's right? true. Right? Because crabs do not have identifiable Crabs heads. are just like a weird disc shape. <laughs> right? They got no neck, so it's, they can't have a head. Do you have to have a neck to have a head? Uh, do you- No. no do frogs have heads then? Because frogs don't have necks. Yeah, but I think, I think because like <laughs> you when, you're eating, a, a when okay. you're eating an insect, you're eating it whole, you know, and it clearly has a head like on there. You know what but I, mean? I can, it's but true. I can eat whole, I can eat whole like fish, like small fish, you know, and I can eat, so I can, I can eat, I can eat whole, a whole yeah, bunch but that's of not stuff. really, it's not people common. aren't super pumped about yeah, that. Most people are like, hey. Yeah, but the thing is like, what I was saying is I can do it, but I still have struggled with the, yeah. with the insects, right? So I don't think it's just that. I think it's just like, I think but every taboo, I think every taboo is just a taboo you have to get over. You know, yeah. and I think there's probably going to be some connections. Like, yeah, heads on things. Like, that's a, that's a cannibalism. You cannibalism. Need, you know, the food truck with cannibalism stuff going on, and yeah, and now, now it's acceptable. It's acceptable. It's yeah. delicious. It's just so all about. It's just called people tacos. <laughs> <laughs> what would the bug truck be called? The exterminator. Um, it'd have to be a, maybe a pretty good one. The bug truck. The exterminator. Ooh, yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> Exterminate. There you go. Uh, all right. Next question comes from <laughs> comes from K or C Price. Have you all read Lean Startup? If you haven't, it's a great book about using data to make informed product decisions in the startup space. Do you have any kind of data driven design? If you do, what sort of data are you planning on looking at for Levelhead? Did you do any of this with Crashlands, or uh, if not, was there any data that you wish you would have captured or had earlier on in development? The first answer is no, so we can just kind of knock that one aside. Well, the we, second we actually answer did is yes. use, We used a, a thing called Flurry really early yes. yep. for uh, Talfine Quadrupus, and we had all these like analytics going on and stuff like that. But we every time we looked at it, we were like, like now what? I don't know what to do. We, guess, yeah. we put we put events all over the place so we can be like, how many people are completing this? How many people unlock this pet? 
But then, because the next question is, well, why? Right, because you can only mm-hmm. you can only if you say, think that a thing is a problem. So first you have to ask, like, is this a problem? Yeah. And then the question is, okay, if it is, then why is this happening? And the data are never going to give you that answer. Right. And so you still have to come up with. So first, it's still on you to decide if there's even a problem, and that decision comes down to how people behave in real life versus how you think they behave. Which and how, for those of how you disconnected who have that is now built levels and seen people do horrible things in them. Yeah. You know that you People have no are not idea. predictable. Yeah. Cause you, cause yeah. yeah. If all you had was numbers mm-hmm. of like, of maybe like the speeds on your level or the, or the number of plays or whatever that, that once you actually see somebody doing weird shit in your level that you could never have imagined, there's no way you could have like reverse engineered just some numbers to get to, to get that, to that. Yeah. You know, well, it's even stuff like we talked about in the past, how wacky open rates are for emails, right? Because you can take the same email sent to the same people and you wait four hours and then send it instead of sending it when you were going to, and the open rate drops by a half. The mm-hmm. same people still get it. It's went into the same inboxes. It's just that it's lunchtime. You just send it at a different mm-hmm. time. It's still in their inbox, meaning they could at any moment go in there and see it. But they won't. But they're not going they to now will. because it came four hours later than, than the optimal time, right? Uh, so people behave very strangely, like not, not how you expect at all. And, nope. and yeah, and, and so trying think, to guess at what that is by looking at numbers is hard. Is basically a fool's game. Yeah. So I think uh, we don't, there's a whole, I think there's, there's been a lot of this data driven design stuff. And I think generally what you get, I saw this one funny one where someone used, they templated like four different art aesthetics basically for this game. And then they used Facebook ads to determine like which one of these art aesthetics had the best pickup on Facebook, built the whole game out of it. The game failed. Of course. Yeah. Because like, <laughs> Because that's not relevant for like it's it's part of the puzzle, but it's never yeah. the whole thing. And so the, the issue I have with data generally uh, or with, with these data driven approaches is that oftentimes people use they use the data in place of good design, in place of good design or or it narrows their thinking, actually, is yeah. my issue um, where even this this exactly what we just talked about with this whole con- like we've gotten a lot of this request for editing levels. We could just say, oh, man, like people want to edit levels. We should do that's this. That's a point. No. Right. No, no, no. Like this has so many externalities downstream for the game that are yeah, probably it'll bad. literally break the game. Right. Yeah. So then the question is, what's the true problem? And is there a – Yeah. Because there's – what's and this, this is how we always respond to player feedback generally is like people will request a thing. But we never we never look at just that. We always go like why? You know, what is it mm-hmm. about their experience that's causing them to request that? And because there's likely that – because pe- people tend to respond to what's in front of them, right? Mm-hmm. So – I think it was like the Henry Ford quote when he said, like, if I listened to what people wanted, I would have just given them a faster horse. Right. Um, yeah. Because all like people see horses. They're riding horses. People are riding seahorses. You know, <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. And, world. Yeah. And so that's people what are seeing ride horses. Right. And so <laughs> those are the kinds of things that you're thinking about. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to think about something you could never have imagined just because by definition, you can't imagine. Right. It, right? So so that's sort of, I guess, our general take on data, which is. You can be very careful with it because yeah, I you think can narrow your focus. Yeah, and I think that's exactly the problem is in order for a question to be answerable with data, it has to be a trivial question. And I don't mean trivial like dumb. I mean trivial and like very easy to to, to solve. answer. Yeah. Um, so, for example, we we do use uh, so in Levelhead we do track uh, basically aggregate analytics for campaign clear rates for just general playtime inside of different parts of the game. And that's just to see the major reason is to see uh, one is on the website if shit's breaking. Um, mm-hmm. And then on our side is just to see if there's any grander patterns as far as like, oh, people don't tend to spend any time, for example, in the workshop, which would have been a huge problem. It's just to make sure there's not any issues there. And then we we have them inside of the campaign levels so we can track uh, basically how many deaths, how many attempts, uh, how many wins, and how many restarts in particular. But the truth is if I just had the restart data, 
that'd probably be all I need because or the quit mm-hmm. basically the exiting data um, because what we're all we're looking for there is to see if there's an accidental spike in difficulty that came comes too early yeah right so we do track a few of these things yeah because what, what you would see there is like a nice smooth progression of the bar graph of people move, moving from one level to mm-hmm. the next and then all of a sudden a big drop off and we did see this during the alpha for one of the early yeah. levels and so changed that one quite a bit but um, the interesting thing is when you like I guess when you pair all this stuff together it starts making you ask and answer other questions that you didn't even know you had so in the case of the campaign levels, um, there's one called Dune Doom Dream, which is the first autocam level that players experience, and it's sort of the capstone level in the desert. It's very intense, and people have this combination reaction to it, which is they, of course, hate it, and they love it's it a because it's very hard. Because once you beat it, you're like, yes! Yes, but they get stuck. The people will tend to get stuck on it for like a little bit, and so the question is, what does it mean? Does that or, mean we should change it, or is this the design? Or is it the design? Right. Because what people tend to do when they get stuck is they'll go bop around the workshop. Yeah. Or go play other people's levels for a little bit. And, and we want that. both of those circumstances. I'm very happy yeah. with both of those. And so actually the campaign has to have these this push and pull where it it should challenge you at sometimes so much that you're like, I'm gonna go do something else for a yeah. little bit. And then I come back. Yeah. And, yeah, and, or you get you'll get feedback of, you know, the the campaign has inconsistent difficulty, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'll play one level and it's super hard and then I play the next level and it was a lot easier. And like, yes, that's yep, that's that's part of the plan, right? Because if if every level is just hard, 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 hard. If it's like Super Meat Boy. Yeah, then yep. you're just like, I am exhausted. I need to go to bed. Yeah. I can't do this yeah. anymore. Yeah, right? Super Meat Boy yeah. is one of the most draining games I've ever played. And it's just hard. I think I it's it just hard. Two-hour chunks, basically. Yeah, it's just progressively harder constantly until you get yeah. to the end. Yeah, and so so I, I think it's it's interesting because it's – it's I don't, I don't know if there's like a word for it, but it's an observation that's framed as a problem even though it's just an observation, observation right? Yeah. So. So if, if somebody says like mm. an observation just frames a problem, there must be a, there needs to be a word for that. There has to right. be something. Cause like if somebody says like the, the campaign has a inconsistent difficulty, it's like miss one level. So it's like saying like, yeah, yeah it's that kind of thing. idea, right? Yeah. But you're just, you're just expressing what you're seeing, but, but not actually explaining yeah. why it, it's well, sort problem. of like when people were really angry about the J and K keys. Right? Yeah. They were just and like, they were just observing that we use J and K. They're like, I don't like that. And they don't like it. Yeah. But that's the end. That, that's the end of that. Yeah. Um, so anyway, point being like that. feedback is very weird and it's very hard to parse yep. and yeah. you always have to go. This is why one of our studio principles is always know why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause you always need to like, keep peeling back the layers. Uh, and it's also the case that, that people give feedback in terms of emotions, Yep. right? Like they don't, people have very good, you can always trust people's feelings. You yeah. can't trust. And their feelings are always valid yep. because they, people are very good at feeling things and they're very good at expressing mm-hmm. how they feel. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they don't often zoom out, you know, two, three, four levels deeper and, and think about like, why do I feel this way? Does this, is this a me thing or is this a systemic problem? You know, like it's also uh, not their job. Yeah, exactly. That's our job. Their job is to enjoy the product that we have made. Yep. And our job is to make that product as enjoyable as possible. Um, but, but it is, it is an interesting conflict. We talked about this a lot in the past, uh, that, that there's the amount of miswanting is, is enormous, but it's actually miswanting is not quite the right word because miswanting is just like wanting a thing that's clearly bad for you. But it's actually that you want a thing without realizing the far reaching consequences well, of yeah, getting it. It's you what know? you want is is a solution to the immediate sort of uh, yeah. issue in front of you. Without worrying about the yeah. other consequences of having that solution. Yeah, and we've, we've talked about this in the past with, um, we, we had an episode uh, quite a while back where we talked about this kind of like slippery slope that games like World of Warcraft have gone down, mm-hmm. where, where as the developers respond to those immediate emotional reactions of somebody like, I want this to be faster. And then it gets faster, but now all of a sudden everything else feels slower. Yep. And then yep. you fix those things, f- fix those things, and now everything else feels worse, right? And so then, 
So you can't just make a change to one thing and then have that just live in it. Well, this happened with the retry button in Levelhead, didn't it? Yes. Yeah. So it used to be the case that the replay button was completely instant. Mm -hmm. Like you just hit replay and you just restart, right? Um, And it was also the case that – let's see. So we had the death animation, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, And so – So if you died, it took one and a half seconds. Uh, 0.7 seconds. 0.7 seconds. Which it still does about. Yeah. Yeah. And then if you you hit the retry button, it was instant to snap you back. And so all of a sudden, the the death animation felt unfathomably long. Mm-hmm. Like nobody's going to want to sit through a 0. 0.7 yep. seconds to we restart the level. Reports from our QA team where they're like, oh, you guys got to make this death animation faster because yeah. I, I just can't take it. Yeah. So what we did is we we changed the restart thing to just kill you. Mm-hmm. So like you don't you don't see the full like uh you know GRAT getting hit by something, but instead you just kind of like burst and teleport back to the beginning. But it takes the same amount of time as the death animation, just about. So now the retry button basically is the death button, and now they're the same. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. there's no complaints, yep, right? Yep. Yeah. So by by introducing a convenience, you actually create a perception of other things being bad. Yeah. Which and is, this is probably, I think, maybe our only fear about being in early access and exposed to community feedback for a long period of time, which is yeah. You'd be very much on your guard. Yeah, because because we're basically we're, we'll be living in a bubble with all of our early access players, and it's very easy to to get wrapped up in people being angry about stuff. Yeah, well, especially because it's a it's a relatively small, more vocal pool that's also going to be actively involved in our community, which means adopters. like yeah, we'll just we'll just be much more aware of yeah. of their opinions versus sort of the larger masses when you do a full game launch of people who don't really come into your network and participate mm-hmm. fully. And I will say I haven't really seen anybody angry. There's no. there's been some there's been some good discussion and some good well thought out um, feedback and all that stuff, um, but so far it's been generally very positive mm-hmm. and and cordial. So all right, I want to hit one last question, which is a super quick one, mm-hmm. so it should be no problem. This is by Wiggly Honk Quick Pie, who says, "I'm sure you've all seen the recent controversy surrounding the Epic Game Store and exclusivity deals. I feel like most of the public conversations surrounding the issue pretty much ignore the point of view of developers and game studios. So it's all about like platform and player, right?" right? Is exclusivity inherently anti-consumer or is it just the way that Epic is handling the issue that's causing the uproar? Uh, also, how do you think the recent events will affect the long-term success of the platform? Do you think, I think there's <laughs> – This think, is just like a real quick – Real quick, just real quick, quick snap. Yeah, snap well, my, my quick snap judgment is there's no way that Epic could handle this uh, to not cause an uproar. Yeah, because um, they're trying to take on Steam. Yeah, two is that this is not anti-consumer at all because of the fact that the platform is free and people are already on the, the actual platform, which is PC. So this is a free store that you get. You get to go get your game on. There's not actually a barrier to entry. There's not. I You can argue all day like I don't want to download another client. I don't care. That doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> the reality There's no is, real barrier. If you want anti-consumer, that's, that's when you start getting into actual exclusivity problems when it comes to like I'm on an Xbox and I want to play God of War which is one of the best games apparently of all time, but it's yeah. on PlayStation. Is it anti-consumer? I don't know, because Sony paid for it. Yeah, I think the only reason yeah, it got to not, exist was because right? it's on I, Yeah, I would say, I think it sucks from the consumer yeah, standpoint. it sucks, but it's, the, it's, 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 it's not sucks. anti-consumer. Yeah, well, and there, there's questions about just general availability. So yeah. like one thing, we, one thing, for example, is like our game is not out on the Switch mm-hmm. and we plan on getting out of the Switch at some point. And we do have a, a number of people who were hoping that it would be on the Switch earlier and it's not. Mm-hmm. Right. Which means that if you want to think about it in these terms, we are exclusively on Steam yeah. right now. Right. We're, we're giving Steam an exclusivity window while we're in early access, yeah. basically. Right. Um, but you could still get it. 
like you, if you have a Windows PC, you yeah. still have a way to play the game, right? Yeah. But I, think, uh, I mean, if you don't, if you got a Mac instead, you know, now you can't play. I think right. importantly, the, the note is that anti-consumerism is where is where the the interests of the business are put in front of the interests of the consumer. And I think my my issue with the framing generally is that is that the idea that that is always a bad thing is a little weird, especially when you're talking about small studios. We're talking about game studios because essentially, if you're talking about oh, we, like we got an exclusivity deal, for example, with Epic. And like they're paying us a million dollars. This didn't happen, but if it's well, actually, no, I, I wouldn't even frame it that way. If we're talking about like the interests of the business are put ahead of the interests of the, that's consumer. I mean, that's what the definition is of it. Like okay. I put it in the podcast talk. There. Okay, um, like because I, I would argue that under to, that definition, everything a business does is anti-consumer because like, like yeah. charging money for something is against the interest of the consumer right. because they, they want a free thing. For free, right. yeah. And so I think it's it's, <laughs> a, it's an interesting framing, and it's it's very useful. I think we were talking about really big. Like monstrous companies who are doing frankly horrible things, like many yeah. telecom companies. I think that's the easiest one where you're like very anti-consumer. Yeah, I think you basically generally. you need to be a monopoly before you can be anti-consumer. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Yeah. And so I think, uh, yeah, I think I think the Epic Store is doing it the only way they can. And I think people complaining about it and calling it anti-consumer is really uh, taking a word to mean something that it literally does not like. It does not apply in this scenario. The fact that you have to go download a downloader like this is not and. If you are one of the 300 whatever million people who've been playing Fortnite, you already have that thing on your desktop yeah. anyway. So I, I don't know. I, I just sounds dumb. It's very I, I, yeah. <laughs> it's silly. It's one of those things where I'm like, why are, why is this what you're torn up about? Of all the things. Of all the things you're torn up about. Like, why this? Well, I mean, thinking about it too. So – and then coming back to the perspective of the developer, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I tend to agree that the conversation tends to be about the, the players being upset and the platform's – being quote anti-consumer um the developers are trying to mitigate risk yeah that's that's the whole thing their thing is making products and mitigating risk of launching they they can keep on yeah they've got they got a few goals like they want to make really good games they want to get those games into the hands of players and they want to make enough money that they can keep doing the first two things Mm -hmm. right and so exclusivity deals in a lot of cases actually guarantee correct that that all of them them, that's the important note i think and you never get guarantees in business Yep. Like it's crazy that that you get that if you get that opportunity, somebody comes to you like, hey, we're gonna give you forty million dollars or something, mm-hmm. and then you could say, no, I'm just gonna risk it. I'm just gonna <laughs> hope that I make that same amount of money somewhere else, even yeah. though I have no idea whether that's possible, right? Yeah. Like, why would you? Why? Yeah. No, why would you do that? You know. And and I think yeah, the when you look at it in the long run, I think especially again, related, I just made that number up. I don't know if there's anybody yeah, I mean, actually getting that much money. Like but. when you look at the long run, also for this from a dev standpoint. It also is actually 100% in the interest of your gaming audience, whoever you're serving. Uh, so for, with Borderlands, for example, if you want more Borderlands games, guess what? Like Epic just guaranteed you're going to have more Borderlands games. Yeah, because they guaranteed a successful title. Yep. Right. So, so it's, it's, it's again, to me, it feels like one of those emotional things where it doesn't – it does not yeah. – <laughs> it's not resonating past the moment, past yeah. the narrowness of being like, oh, it kind of stings that Borderlands isn't on my preferred platform. But I can still get it. Literally next door, it's free to get. Right, it's free yeah. to download. I need it. to click a play button on this window instead of a play button on that right. Window. And then, and then the reality that that has actually guaranteed that there's going to be more of the same content you like. I think it's just it's it's really missing the forest for the trees in a lot of ways. Yeah, and I, and I do think there there are enough people kind of arguing kind of exactly this case that that uh, that people are kind of more becoming more aware of the reality of the situation. But but the but they they're basically chasing this framing where they they want it to be the case that this is bad, right? And because the yeah. most recent thing I saw, well, because it's annoying. Was, it's just yeah, it, but honestly, to me, that's all it is. It's, it's just like annoying. opening two launchers is annoying. Yeah. I get it. That's I agree. I that's agree. annoying. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but the most recent one I saw was uh, was somebody basically saying like, yes, like 
all of this is true, but in the end, even if somebody is getting a subscription deal and making a lot more money, all that money is going to the publisher and the developers don't even see it. It's like, that's like the final, that's like, that's, that's where they have left, you know, hmm. it's like just chasing the gap that's of where they have an argument left, which is not true on, on, on any stretch. And, um, and yeah, of course, like if you've got a company with a CEO that now just gets a bonus where they just literally take all of that money, which is not how business works actually. Yeah, no. Um, but yeah, but, but the idea that somehow developers and publishers are decoupled and the money involved is decoupled is it's really often weird. proportional. You know, yeah. if the game makes more money, the publisher makes more money and the developer makes more money and everybody's yeah, because and the publisher pays the developer. And if, if the developer has to go off on their own without a publisher because their publisher sunk or didn't have enough mm-hmm. money, because because a lot of what a publisher does is build up a war chest because they have to spend half a billion dollars on advertising, for yeah. example, and another half a billion dollars on a game development project. Um, so they need as much of a war chest as they can have. And yeah, we get like all of us can be upset about, you know, CEOs making infinite money, all this kind of stuff and that, and basically feeling like your money's going there. Right. right. We can all be upset about that. Definitely. Um, but, but that's not, that's not, that's not, yeah, it's not related to, that's not really related. That's just, a di- that's just a different, that's a different problem. problem. Yeah. 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 And, and it's also, I think you also need to decouple, issues with the specific problem versus the, the general yeah. situation. So if, if you do have some kind of an issue with, with the way that Epic does business or with them as a company or with, I don't know, just a lot of, yeah, just various aspects of that company and you don't want to buy things through their store, then that's a fine. Like it's a fine stance to take. Yeah. Um, but exclusivity sort of on the face of it, not with Epic store, but just like as a, concept, as a concept. Yeah. Uh, is fine. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, it's not ideal, but, but the studios still have to take care of themselves. Yeah. Well, that's basically what I see is exclusivity is at best annoying for players and at worst, uh, problematic for players because it puts up a barrier that they can't surmount. Yeah. I still haven't gotten to play God of War. Yeah. So, so so I agree a hundred percent that for players, exclusivity is always bad. Just like it is, right? In unless, terms of in terms unless, of your in terms of your immediate experience, yeah, unless you just happen to be on the yeah, exactly. you know, on the platform for yeah, right. But for developers, it's often completely required, and that your yes. f- entire funding requires exclusivity, uh, or is the only way you can guarantee a long term future in which you can make more games. So when it comes to a barrier, it's like this: there's a there's the for any given player, there might be a barrier with exclusivity that now just like means I don't get to play this game, mm-hmm. right? But that same barrier uh, to you also means that other players who can play that game will also get to see more games like that from that same developer or even in the just future. get to play it. Or just get to play it, period. Yeah, funding, I mean, I think this is one of the things, people know that games cost a lot, but I, don't, a lot. I do not think people have like a good grasp on what that means. Like, well, they, it was revealed it too. Even so on, much to make. Yeah, even like on, uh, on Saturday, somebody was like doing some crunching to try to figure out how much money we made off mm-hmm. of Levelhead. And they're like, oh, I bet they're really happy about about where they're at. Like, I'd be over the moon. And we're like, and like we're not even coming close to, <laughs> no. to covering our budget. You know? nope. Not yet, anyway. Yeah, it's, it's just a slow, a slow burn. burn you know? Yeah, it's very expensive. Yeah, um, which we we didn't anticipate, but it's it's important to note. Yeah, yeah. you know, uh, yeah, you you fund a studio for a year and a half, and once you have like contractors and rent and taxes and like everything, yeah, everything full time employees, you got insurance and you got all the things. Yeah, got, yeah, uh, it's. It, there's a lot. There's a lot of numbers. And we're a tiny there. company. Yeah. We're a tiny, even, tiny company. Oh, I can't even imagine. In the Midwest, right? Yeah. Like uh, the amount that you have to scale this kind of thing up. Uh, I still remember when we – shortly after we launched Crashlands, I think it was Firewatch mm-hmm. came out. And and we were looking at their numbers. We were like, wow, they're doing great. And then we saw that their studio was 12 people in San Francisco. And we're like, oh, maybe yeah, they're maybe, not. Yeah, maybe <laughs> not. Because, yeah. uh, again, like 
there's two sides of of that. You know, there's yeah. the expenses and there's the yeah. Expenses. If their numbers were our numbers, it would have we would have broken even in a quarter of a second. But you know, for them, it was maybe maybe, it took, maybe took them a, bit a longer. couple of weeks or yeah. a month or who knows. Yeah. So uh, all right. Well, I think that I think it covers it. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's, there's yeah. a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot of layers to it. So yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. We'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting the podcast together. Thanks to our community moderators who are keeping our Discord running. And uh, to get more involved in the Butterscotch community, you can go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we've got links to all kinds of stuff, uh, a way for you to donate, as well as links to the podcast archives. Also, go buy Levelhead. Yeah, go you know, yeah just, do that. Just go buy it. Give us a thumb. It's good. An upward thumb. It is good. Yeah. yeah. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.